umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we're going to follow up last week's podcast where we focused primarily on the defensive changes over to the offensive side of the ball where we've had quite a bit of news in the last week so uh first things first the the first change into the into the stable is uh the return of Mike Hart former Michigan great most recently at Indiana so uh how do you feel about that hire Clint I think it's great um i I was very pleasantly surprised to hear that um uh, Sometime in the recent history, um, Harbaugh and Mike Hart, you know, had a discussion about their previous, you know, relationship stemming from the 2007 outburst, you know, when, when Mike Hart was a player and when Jim Harbaugh was coaching at Stanford. Um, when Harbaugh was first hired, that, that whole episode still was a, was a, a negative in my memory. So I was glad that Harbaugh addressed it. And, and now that we're here, I'm glad that it's, it's, equally um or, or also another sign that that's water well way under the bridge because uh you know mike hart joining the staff is a is a huge boost i think i think it immediately lends credibility um and gives you some juice in state in the state of michigan in recruiting and it kind of helps you kind of keep your foothold in the northeast um with mike hart being from new york you know, uh, Syracuse or upstate New York, but, um, as a recruiter, I, I expect they, they are going to see a, an immediate impact from, from bringing him onto the staff. And, and also functionally, I think he's shown a track record of success of, um, you know, helping to coach, uh, very successful running backs, um, both at Mac schools at Western and Eastern Michigan. And then, uh, a thousand yard rusher at Indiana. So, uh, I think it's a, a great hire, um, makes a ton of sense, of course. And I think that Mike Hart is a guy that, um, is going to grow, uh, as a coach uh, over the next few years on Michigan staff and, and will probably see his, his coaching career continue to blossom, um, under Jim Harbaugh, uh, in, in the next three, three, four seasons, the, the length of his contract here. Not to mention giving uh, a jolt to uh, the folks up in East Lansing who remember his uh, little brother comment. So it's interesting because what I like about this hire is it seems to be uh, the best. You're getting the best of the present and the past, right? You're getting a guy who primarily, you know, and, and foremost has shown himself to be a good coach and a good recruiter and also someone who has history with the program. Again, he had an outstanding career here. One of my favorite players, uh, you know. So it's nice to see him be successful post uh, post playing career. And uh, and again, it, it's I'm sure that uh, among the uh, the Spartan faithful, uh, there's a uh, you know they're not going to forget the things he said, and 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 I'm glad. So it's it's interesting to see uh, things come full circle, and uh, you know join uh, another former Wolverine, you know, the head coach Jim Harbaugh. So. Definitely some interesting uh, things percolating uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, so. I, th- I think there's some the, – the sales pitch that could come from Mike Hart recruiting a, a big-time running back 
um, just immediately has so much credibility, right? Uh, he was a kind of an unheralded or, or under recru- under recruited, under ranked, you know, kind of a diamond in the rough. What was his image coming in and started as a true fr- freshman in uh, not in the first game, but got immediate playing time and eventually took the starter's role and became a four year starter. So there's just so many different angles on the recruiting trail that he can say, I know what it takes to, you know, to take this recruiting ranking from the, from the sites and turn it into being the, you know, the all time leading rusher at at Michigan. And if anybody's going to, if anybody's going to break my rushing career, rushing record, you know, I want to be the guy that's coaching that guy. So, um, again, it's just, it's instant credibility with, uh, with multiple angles to it. So I I think that there's a lot of legs there and going to reap immediate rewards. What I remember about Mike Hart besides his playing career is he's one of the few players who lived up to the recruiting hype, right? Um, when you're on the recruiting side, you, you know, when players are, are at the beginning of the process, you hear about how great they are. And, you know, he had an amazing high school career and, and, and you and I both know that uh, a great high school career and big high school stats doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, translate all the time to, to collegiate success. But I remember Mike Hart uh, during the recruiting process and his career definitely lived up, up to the hype. So it's uh, definitely pleasant to see him coming back. The other interesting thing is there was, uh, I know that there were, so it wasn't a big surprise that Michigan was going after Mike Hart. You know, rumors were kind of circulating for a while in Ann Arbor. and But there was some question on whether they were going to be able to bury the hatchet, right? So uh, as you mentioned, it's good to see that uh, he and Coach Harbaugh have uh, come to uh, an, a meeting of the minds and that uh, I think he's going to be, be a real asset um, to the running backs here for Michigan. So... Uh, when we're talking, you know, as we're talking about homecoming, there was another big homecoming announced. Ron Bellamy, former Wolverine, who also has had some post-collegiate uh, playing career success. His team just, uh, his high school team just won a state championship here in Michigan, has returned to the Wolverines as wide receivers coach. So how do you look at that one, Clint? Oh, it's another one that it's. I, I have to kind of be careful in my own self to not overstate and get swept up in it. But I think that it is really, really as close as you get to a, a home run hire um, in terms of adding uh, what was needed uh, to the staff in terms of energy and connection with players, um, high school age players that are being recruited, and then also the players that you've got uh, in, in your locker room right now. And and just, it's, uh, there's a lot to be said, um, circling back to previous conversations that we've had about Harbaugh's statement, uh, I I believe from maybe in November that he was going to let his actions speak. And, uh, it is clear that he is, he's truly backed up his, uh, his vision of, of focusing on coach and player one-on-one relationships and, and building those both with recruits um, and, and that he has kind of uh, rewarded or, or valued that uh, in bringing in new new coaches to the staff, but also um, for, for Ron Bellamy, it's another one that 
instantly is going to pay dividends in Metro Detroit and southeastern Michigan. I mean, uh, Ron Bellamy took over a West Bloomfield program that was, um, it would be nice to call it mediocre when he took it over um, in terms of what, what they were, the success they were having with the resources they had available. And he took that over um, and, and just went out on top after winning the, the division one state championship and coaching the, uh, you know, the Mr. Football for Michigan, Donovan Edwards was also coming to Michigan. So w- what he did in terms of success is, is just an A plus um, the way that he treats people and communicates and his, even his philosophy with players at West Bloomfield, where he was adamant that he would not um, steer kids to to Michigan because of his connection to Michigan. Um, if they had that interest, he would use his connections to help them, of course. And if the staff at Michigan was reaching out to him for help with something, he would try to help the staff at Michigan. But he never wanted to be seen as an agent of Michigan in his high school coaching role. He saw his role as being an advocate for his players first and foremost and and their families. And I think that that, um, the credibility that that holds with, with kids and parents in the Metro area that have, have been involved, um, competed against or, or been involved in off season workouts with, uh, with West, with West Bloomfield, um, I don't know that you're going to find anybody to speak ill uh, of Ron Bellamy as a person and a leader. Um, and, and I can, I can attest to that, uh, somewhat personally. My, when I was coaching football at the high school level, there were two summers that, that West Bloomfield and, and the team that, you know, our alma mater, um, were in the same seven and seven off season camps. And, um, he was, it was it was he was a joy to to work with and and to coach against and seeing him uh, continue and have success at the highest level was great at the high school level and and for him to make the move now to being a, a college coach is great for him. It's good to see a, a nice guy win, but also he is going to be another tremendous asset to uh, to Michigan in terms of recruiting and also you know he. he played four to five seasons in the NFL as a receiver. So it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing from a technical standpoint uh, in coaching. So there's, it's a perfect fit um, on this staff with what they needed and the spot that was open. So that's great. And I, I think that we're going to see, again, almost instant dividends in Metro Detroit um, recruiting and getting back to protecting the home turf on the recruiting trail from the schools like Penn State and even Ohio State that were starting to pull kids out of Detroit and Metro Detroit. Um, I think Michigan has, has already started to kind of solidify those borders just by bringing Ron Bellamy into the fold. The thing that struck me when Ron Bellamy was hired is he is one of the few players who has had success, as you mentioned, not only collegiately but in the NFL. But when he came back to coach at the high school level, he was as popular with the players and the parents and opposing coaches, okay? He has been a force at working at clinics, and I've heard, I've heard nothing but great things, raves about him. And uh, 
it was interesting. You were mentioning that he had made it clear that he was that his players uh, weren't locked into going to Michigan. He wasn't going to funnel players to Michigan. He was going to do what was best for his players and and try to make sure that they were successful at the next level at the place that made most sense. I was concerned that uh, Michigan State would try to scoop up Ron Bellamy, okay, because he, uh, again, it's a slam dunk, and I'm really glad that Harbaugh was able to bring him in because this was a coach who um, I'm sure had opportunities to go to the next level, and uh, I'm glad that Michigan was able to lock him in because I wholeheartedly agree. This is this is a win on so many levels for Michigan that, um, you know, it's uh, you don't often get excited about coaching changes, but between Mike Hart coming back and Ron Bellamy, who who actually kind of surprised me, uh, you know, I wonder, uh, or I don't wonder. I think uh, you know, due to COVID, the high school season was extended here in Michigan. So I wonder uh, if this announcement would have been sooner if that season had been zipped up. You know, the announcement that he was hired came right after he locked up the the state title, uh, you know, in the last week. So um, definitely a nice surprise and and definitely a a great a great thing for the program moving forward. Absolutely. Can't 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 overstate it. You know, I'd be careful. I don't want to get too far out on a limb, but I, I really fully endorse uh, all the positive things that you hear about Ron Bellamy, um, both as a coach, uh, certainly as a recruiter after his success as a high school coach and understanding the recruiting process from the, the kids perspective. And, um, and just as a class act, uh, stand up guy to, to stand there, shake hands with, look in the eye and have an honest conversation. You know, there's, you, you can't say enough good things about, uh, about a guy like him. So uh, the next shift on the coaching staff is, I have to say, a somewhat of a surprise. Um, the last few seasons, Michigan had had pretty good success in sending offensive linemen to the uh, NFL. And I thought that uh, departing coach Ed Warner had really shored up that position pretty well after it had been a, a trouble spot. But he has left the staff. And uh, there, there are some rumors that he may stay on as an analyst, but what we know right now is that he is no longer coaching the offensive line. And uh, Sharon Moore has been elevated to offensive line coach and co-offensive coordinator. So how do you feel about that move, Clint? Well, I agree that surprising is, is the first term that, that you would have to put onto the entire shift. So let's... Let's kind of look at it in, in two pieces and what it what does it mean first about Sharon Moore? Obviously it's a positive endorsement of what Sharon Moore has done in his time at Michigan. Um I think that he's done a, an admirable job with tight ends. I think that um that they're they've been integrated into the blocking schemes uh with Ed Warner's uh offensive line, you know sufficiently with uh with a couple misses with young guys but but uh once given a a full year to understand guys like eric all and uh sean mccune really um were assets in the run game and creating mismatches um but overall i think again this points to jim harbaugh uh in using his the power that he has for 
controlling the program and rewarding his assistants, Sharon Moore has been your your best recruiter. He's he's been at least in the last you know few seasons, he's been sort of the closer, um, regardless of what position a, a guy played. Sharon Moore um, is one of the key. Uh, components he's one of the key uh members of the staff that was able to pull back Daxton Hill's recruitment from Alabama he was you know the lead recruiter originally and then managed the uh, the crisis at the end when he uh flipped and, and then flipped back so um his strength in creating again personal one-on-one relationships with kids and their families uh, in order to be able to to have success like that in the Daxton Hill case and some of the other high-profile recruitments, I think this is Jim Harbaugh giving uh, Sharon Moore, rewarding Sharon Moore's success, um, both in creating uh, solid relationships with their current players, but also uh, what he does with recruits, and then also uh, rewarding the work that he's done with tight ends in terms of blocking and and challenging him to to step up to the next level and take over, you know, the entire offensive line. Um, I think that that's again with a coach and assistant coach that you think has as much potential as as uh, Harbaugh thinks Sharon Moore does. You have to continue to help them develop as a coach and, and progress. Uh, reward them with uh, an additional title or a, a more prestigious title so that you can justify giving them more money right uh, this is this is pretty normal progressive uh, you know management of your of your coaching staff if this is a guy that's doing well in the system that you've created and then you should reward that guy and I think that's what it means from the Sharon Moore angle. The other thing to mention is that since he will be co-offensive coordinator, he will be working closely with Josh Gaddis, who has been retained. Um, Also retained is uh, Jay Harbaugh, who will be handling special teams and uh, and tight ends. So uh, the Jay Harbaugh uh, family internship continues. And and I don't mean that to be dismissive. Um, I've always found Jay to be very knowledgeable. It's just interesting that you know he has uh, he's been able to leverage uh, his career. He's gotten great experience at the pro ranks, and uh, he has been able to get great experience at a number of positions here at Michigan. And um, you got to believe at some point. Uh, I know there were rumors that he had an opportunity to leave for a a promotion uh, at other programs, and you got to believe that. Um, being exposed to all these different positions and doing a relatively good job that uh, the opportunities are bright for him uh, in the future. And he'll also be, uh, I'm sure, uh, coordinating with Sharon Moore on the tight end. So, again, great opportunity for him. And, uh, you know, the thing, Clint, when you look at this at this staff, okay, when you look at the staff that we ended with at the end of this uh, COVID uh covid disaster season right the crater that that the season ended up unfortunately when you look at the makeup of that staff and you look at the staff now um what are your observations what comes to mind 
Um, well, first, it's it's somewhat of a youth movement. Um, I think that that's the first thing that's most apparent is that the coaches that are no longer with the staff were all, um, you know, upper 40s, mid 50s, and into their 60s, and Don Brown even, you know, getting near 70. So um, their exit and replacing those guys with uh, coaches that are in their 30s is again it's it's not right for everybody it doesn't always work out this way but in terms of what jim harbaugh has set as a vision for what he wants the program to be from the point that he signed this extension going forward is that he wants to focus more on creating the 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 valuable relationships between the coaches and players and clearly that was an issue that he wanted to address from the previous staff right again not nothing specific about any particular staff member but just culturally it seems that he was looking for more guys that operated similar to how Sharon Moore has with creating uh, strong ties with uh, larger groups of his players maybe outside of even the you know his position group um, and he's kind of replicated that that same style I think uh, that Sharon Moore has with the bringing in all of these other coaches that, that are much younger um, than the previous guys, closer to the age of the kids that they're coaching and the kids that they'll be recruiting and also closer to the age of the parents who will be um, having kids that are being recruited. So the, the coaching staff now, the average age, has been pushed down into the 30s, whereas before it was uh, in the low 50s. I think the oldest assistant right now is Brian Jean-Marie, and he's 45. And I think that everybody else um, is in their 30s or 20s. So um, that's the, the, the biggest thing. I don't think, again, I'm not saying that old coaches can't be good coaches or older coaches can't be good coaches. I don't think that that's the truth. I think... It's a big part of establishing the vision that, that Jim Harbaugh wanted to. And also, I think that it's uh, it's as close to a program reset as you can get. Um, two and four is not good enough for anybody that is associated with Michigan football. And uh, just shuffling the chairs, you know, shuffling the chairs on the Titanic would have been unacceptable. And the 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 contingent of Michigan fan base that uh, wanted Harbaugh to, to be fired or to, you know, was hoping that he would take another job. Um, I think at least this program reset and a major staff shakeup is, is closer to kind of the vision that, that that portion of the fan base was looking for. And that, again, I think we're all, if we were all to focus on the problems and the cracks in the foundation that the program at Michigan has, has shown in the recent past, um, small tweaks were, were not getting making things any better. If anything, the, the trend was down the last couple seasons. So this is a, is a major shakeup, um, you know, again, kind of tearing it out to the studs, and, and it's time to redesign your, your working relationships and um, – get back to uh, you know the fundamentals of what you want your program to be and to build 
uh, your coaching philosophy and, and the, the rhythm that you're going to attack every day, um, you get to rebuild that now because of all of the new relationships and the new perspectives that you're bringing in. So I think that it, that's a positive thing, but it's a positive opportunity and it takes a lot of work and, and, and focus and, and coordination from the head coach to, to make it successful because all of this doesn't mean anything if they, if they can't turn it into success on the football field. Um, and, and that's going to, again, it, it's quite a challenge in front of this staff, but I think that hitting the reset button was appropriate. And, and I think that in terms of accomplishing that, it, it's been done. I think there's going to be a new vision in at Schembechler Hall with uh, preparing, and I think there's going to be a new vision outwardly um, on the recruiting trail. So I think that's that's a big part of what we were looking for, at least uh, what you and I have talked about. And, you know, we focus primarily on the offensive coaching changes, but, um, you know, when you're talking about going younger and uh, guys with different experience, you know, they brought in a new safeties coach, okay, George Hilo. And when I first looked at that, you know, his his most re- recent experience is Maryland and then Colorado State. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really make sense to me. And then as I dug deeper, you know, he has experience. He started out in Alabama and he has good experience in Georgia. So you kind of get a, a recruiting tie there, right? Um, and, and again, we talked about younger and, and uh, locking down recruiting. Um, and then brought in a new defensive backs coach and a co-defensive coordinator Maurice Linguist and you know from the NFL from the Cowboys so when I look at this staff I see younger definitely and I see a real move for a shift in recruiting philosophy right um so when we when we talk about the program uh post Lloyd Carr uh, and the struggles we've had right you go through Rich Rod and, uh, you know, the program, you know, was died for a while. But there was a, uh, a, a Michigan State rose as Michigan went down, right? And um, beginning with Rich Rod, it seemed like Michigan started to lose a lock on the top players in the state of Michigan, okay? And I know a lot of Michigan fans said, well, Michigan State took advantage of that. And, you know, it was just that Michigan was doing so poorly. Well, the reality is, is however it happened, it was the fact, right? So here we have Michigan State kind of in a reset, and I see the hiring of Ron Bellamy and bringing Mike Hart in to kind of to kind of put a stranglehold on on Michigan or or the state, or at least try to improve your position. And then I see some of these other coaches like uh, you know George Hilo, who has ties to SEC. You have. Uh, Maurice Linguist, who prior to being with the Cowboys was in SEC country. And I really see uh, a strategic reset on if, um, you know, uh, the lifeblood of any program is recruiting. And this seems definitely a move younger to to try to appeal to a, to a, a wider range of recruits so that they can find the ones that fit into whatever system they're going to be installing. Yeah, I, I I I agree with you that it uh, it suggests that there's a different vision for for how they handled recruiting as opposed uh, that it may be geographical um, in nature 
in setting up regions where you've got strong connections with uh, high school staffs and, and different people in those um, that's what made Don Brown a successful recruiter in the Northeast, um, that he had a, a long history there and, and a proven track record and uh, a lot, a, a strong rapport with a lot of people um, at the high school football level. And, and that's why he found so many uh, underrated players in the Northeast. Um, and it, it's strange to me that that, in the past has been used as kind of a, a, a critique of Don Brown's recruiting. But if you look at the names and the players that he pulled out of the Northeast, those guys ended up being difference makers for, for Michigan. Um, so to replicate uh, that success, I think is, is kind of what the vision is. So you've got guys now on your staff that geographically have a wider footprint um, or, or their impact can be felt, uh, geographically. Again, I think you're right. And, and we've mentioned Hart and Bellamy, Bellamy having an instant impact, uh, in the state of Michigan. Um, Hart also has, uh, you know, a lot of ties to the Northeast and, and New York. Uh, and then his time uh, on the staff in Indiana, he's probably got some, some other Indiana ties. So you've, you've got some Midwest kind of a, a group um, that could have success there. And then those defensive coaches that came in, like you said, Brian Jean-Marie has strong geographical ties to Texas and Georgia and Florida. Uh, you mentioned Mo Linguist with the Cowboys and then Texas A&M before that. He's offered four or five players even before he was officially announced as part of the coaching staff. He, he was handing out scholarship offers to Texas high school players and the 22 class. So um, I, it seems to me that they are going to reorganize their recruiting strategy to kind of follow some of the, the demographic shifts um, toward the South part, the Southern states in the country um, while also locking down uh, the, the state of Michigan and then figuring out how to pluck some of the underrated guys out of the, the rest of the Midwest and the Northeast, similar to what they've been doing. So um, we'll see, you know, that's all conjecture. We don't know for sure, but um, if you just look at the ties, the, the, the personal relationships and networks that have been built by each of the individual coaches. And if you were to map that out, you would, I think that map is going to, to be closely tied to um, how Michigan prioritizes their their recruiting strategy. Clint, I want to go back. I think you made a great point about this being a a soft reboot or a uh, soft reboot of the program. You know, I was thinking about, you know, I always like to when I'm evaluating the team to take like the names off, take the labels. And you know, if you had gotten a new coach, you could imagine that he would have retained a few people from the previous staff and then gone fresh. Right. Um, and I know there's going to be a significant uh, portion of the fan base who are still screaming that Harbaugh shouldn't be here, but he is here. But when you step down from the top position, um, there's been a drastic overhaul of this staff. And uh, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, I was thinking of the same analogy you said, you know, I was thinking of starting the podcast off with 
So is this uh, an amazing, innovative new staff, or did we just rearrange deck chairs on the Titanic, right? And it's really not rearranging deck chairs. There are so many people that are different, and, and things have been moved around. Now, um, hopefully we're still not on the Titanic, but, but it's more than just moving deck chairs around. And uh, I think um, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how the composure and makeup of the next recruiting class um, changes, right? Um, I, I think, you know, one of the things that Michigan struggles with is that, you know, there are top-tier programs that can get most any player they want, right? Um, and if not every player, most players. And, I mean, again, I, I, unfortunately, you know, I know people will be unhappy, but, you know, when you're talking about an Alabama or an Ohio State, right, Michigan is not at that level recruiting. So um, when I look at this staff, and I say not at that level yet, right, when I look at this staff, it, it's kind of like dialing up a different approach to recruiting and, you know, again, trying to lock down the state of Michigan, trying to solidify ties in SEC country, reaching back out to the Northeast. And, you know, I believe that Michigan can put together a team that can compete with the top level programs, but they're going to need a little bit of luck and they're going to need a strategy to do that. And uh, this definitely signals a shift in recruiting focus and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out. Yeah, so a big part now is is coaching the players that they have. They have to get in there and start building relationships with players that are on the current roster. They have to be able to plan uh, an off-season workout program and, and get ramped up for spring ball that's, that's still got a lot of question marks involved. And, and then a summer and off-season workout program that leads up to – fall camp and eventually a, a full season. So the, the actual football part is, is what we're going to be reviewing and, and, and analyzing and evaluating this coaching staff on even before we see the success that we expect them to have in the recruiting trail. So um, for, for any coach, I think at least at the college level, both of those things are, are key. And if you're a really, really strong recruiter, you could probably get away with being uh, a less of a strength on the recruiting trail or less of a, a strength X's and O's and coaching technique guy and, and vice versa. If you're really, really strong in technique and X's and O's and game planning and, and play calling, um, you can probably tolerate a little bit of weakness on the recruiting trail. But I don't think the previous staff individual members had a lot of balance in that. I think that we had some very, very strong X's and O's game planning guys that were very close to nothing on the recruiting trail. Um, that And that became somewhat of a problem. Um, so I think this new staff also has more of a balance. In, in addition to being an improvement on the recruiting trail, I don't think that it necessarily comes at a cost with X's and O's, even if there's a, a little bit of a lack of experience right now, um, obviously they'll gain that experience by, by being put into the challenging roles that they're in. So um, we'll deal with those growing pains, but I, there's still a lot of knowledge and capability that's on the staff in terms of coaching football and, and putting together um, 
a plan to to win a football game on a Saturday. So, I, I as much as I see the recruiting gains, there may be a small cost in experience and execution on the coaching side, but not nearly as drastic. You know, there's other there's something else that I see when I look at this staff. You know, we talk about player recruiting, right? But there's also uh, an aspect of when you're running a program like Michigan, reaching out to your fan base and your alumni. And, you know, Harbaugh knows he's under fire. You know, we talked last podcast about how, you know, his goals for the team, and one of the last ones was, you know, to to basically kind of ignore that, not to not make decisions based on being worried about being fired, right? Well, when I look at this staff and I see Ron Bellamy, Ron Bellamy and Mike Hart, that's very clearly not only do they have great player recruiting, but that's a real big, you know, I don't know if you'd call it an olive branch, but definitely outreach to the alumni, right? Um, these players are known. They're known as being successful. And it, it's interesting that um, when I look at this staff, and, and and not that, you know, again, definitely Don Brown was very popular among among the Wolverine fans. And, you know, some of that luster had fallen off after, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the struggles that we had against Ohio State. But there are people who love Don Brown. There are people in the media who love Don Brown. He mm-hmm. always gave a great soundbite. He uh, he had his dudes, and and there were people who loved him, right? Who mm-hmm. you know as a character, right? And again, a darn good coach, and uh, has pulled out some great players. Well, right. I don't know anybody who can argue with Ron Bellamy, right? And and again, you don't want to get too excited because it's the off season, but. Not only it was he uh, a name from the past, but he's a great hire, right? And I think it it you know if you want to make you know there there are people who are definitely down on Harbaugh, right? I don't know how anybody could be unhappy at this point with the hiring of Ron Bellamy and Mike Hart. So I think that you can see some things here where you're trying to bring some of the fan base and and show that you're willing to make changes and and doing some outreach in that level as well. Yeah, and I I think you tied it back to kind of the Harbaugh's statement on that uh, on his goals about not making decisions based on keeping his job. And again, we talked about it last week as a statement, and then this week we're talking about it in action. Right, that the safe play was to keep Ed Warner, who you know I I don't have anything negative to say about Ed Warner as a coach. Um, some folks thought that he was a, a less than stellar recruiter, but I, I disagree with that. I think he's done a great job recruiting in the last three years for Michigan. Um, so the safe play was to keep the status quo and, and, and try to figure out how to make it work. And I think Ed Warner got squeezed out because they needed a place on the staff for a guy like Ron Bellamy and, and Mike Hart. So as much as we're saying and extolling the virtues of, of those hires on the offensive side. Um, to me, the, 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 the lack of a position for Ed Warner right now is, is kind of the downside. And that's, that's, I think, you know, and this is just my own conjecture and opinion. I think that's kind of what Harbaugh may have been pointing to in terms of making decisions. 
it's not the safest decision, right? We, we have confidence that these guys are going to be able to be successful, but they're still, you know, everybody is stepping into a new role and, and there, there are challenges that come with that. And, and they're, he's challenging these guys to, to meet that. So, um, it's a risk, you know, and I think, uh, just like, um, you know, the finance folks will tell you, you know, with risk, big risk and big reward, um, typically go together. Um, but it's not a guarantee. So we, we are kind of talking about the, the avenues that are opened up and, and the, the possibilities of being much, much more successful and, and getting back onto a level playing field with, uh, the top tier programs and especially with the Buckeyes. Um, and I agree that, that this helps unlock that door, <clears throat> but the, you know, it, this was not the safe play. And, and, and while these are slam dunks and good ideas that we, uh, both fully endorse, you know, there, there's a cost there with so much expertise <clears throat> walking out the door with Don Brown. And, and then similarly with, with Ed Warner, guys that were both successful in the roles that they had with Michigan, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, until Don Brown, until this defensive nosedive from last year, right? You, you would take those guys almost you look at the track record and you take them again and again and again and again those are pillars of the previous staff so you know sometimes to pulling it all out and tearing it down to the studs and rebuilding right there's still a demo cost there so um we'll see that but it's again it's action kind of backing up what harbaugh said that this is not a safe play right and it's also in the frame of some accountability, right? There was a two and four season. You know, we talked about accountability when we talked about Harbaugh's contract. He took a $4 million pay cut. You know, he, he, he held himself accountable in some respect, uh, depending on how much you, you believe that he was ex- grudgingly accepting a 50% pay cut. But, you know, he, he signed the deal. He's, he's, he's been held accountable by his, uh, you know, by the athletic director. For, for the lack of success and, and the new environment that he's he's in. And now, you know, the, this new staff has to kind of also answer the bell. So to me, it all, it all seems to align with the correct vision. And, and now it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the, uh, the execution of that vision starts to come together. So I'm glad you mentioned Ed Warner because, you know, we've talked about this in past podcasts. I was a big fan of the work that he did. And, you know, somebody like that, um, again, I agree. I think he was a kind of a casualty of not having enough chairs uh, as Harbaugh shifted around. And the thing about somebody like Ed Warner is, you know, that he's going to have plenty of opportunities to keep coaching. You know, he's had success at Ohio State, success at Michigan. And, you know, whether he wants to stay in the collegiate game or the NFL, I got to believe he's going to have multiple opportunities. The thing that I wonder is when I look at, uh, you know, Sharon Moore, he got elevated to co-offensive coordinator, right? And and again, we, we don't know because Harbaugh has not spoken on this, but, you know, when Ed Warner was at Ohio State, he was elevated to uh, to help out as offensive coordinator, and, and they did not have super great success, right? So maybe it was one of the things that drove – some of the shifting around is that coach Harbaugh believes that, uh, you know, Sharon Moore 
can do that. You know, he has that opportunity. He has he has more upside, as they say, right? When you're talking about it in financial terms. So um, I know Coach Warner uh, <clears throat> will go on and and be able to have success elsewhere. Elsewhere, I wish him well. Again, I really thought he did a good job, but um, I think uh, I agree with you. It shows an overall shift of of introducing some risk into the game, right? Of you know, you have to win the uh, regular season, and this is a move to win the off season. And there are a lot of things that I think were unexpected. And uh, again, you you got to show it on the field, but um, you know, there, there's there's lots of stuff here for uh, for both critics and optimists to chew on, right? And and uh, it'll be interesting to see how everything comes together. Yeah, and and maybe maybe in a future off-season episode we can look a little deeper into uh some of the run game and, and offensive line metrics that are available i think that there's there's an interesting story there um what ed warner did in my opinion when he came in when he took over for tim drevno on the offensive line <clears throat> was that he simplified for for the players right so that they could make the correct calls and then just play football between the whistle, you know, from, from the snap to the whistle. Um, and that was hugely effective. And we felt that difference in 2018, mostly in pass protection. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, um, in terms of run game, uh, how, how effective they were because there's not a, it doesn't really feel, at least before we dig too deep into the numbers, it doesn't really feel that, that Michigan's been a dominant running team for under ed warner um that so it'll be interesting to see exactly where they rank and where they compare in terms of uh numbers that we can quantify um so 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 we'll take a deeper look at that in terms of trying to set the expectation and what we think uh her own more you know what standard does he have to live up to but um i think that the main value with with what Ed Warner brought was again simplifying the the, the playbook or the calls and the, the teaching system um, for those offensive linemen so that they could execute consistently. And I think what he brought to the program um, in the three seasons from 2018 to 2020 was immediate consistency, and, and that's a good thing. But um, I, I think that it can be replicated because I I don't think that. Um, I don't think that Michigan is going to be at the top of any of the, the run game metrics that I'll, that I'll start to look into. So there's still opportunity to at least kind of hold serve for Sharon Moore in terms of taking over as the offensive line coach. Um, and I would say if he stays about the same output as, as what Ed Warner did, then we'd be happy with that because we would have been happy with keeping Ed Warner. So and there may be even an opportunity to to improve in some areas. So we'll, we'll take a look at that uh, coming up soon. All right. That sounds great. So that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue!